Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions Podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We've got a great show in line for you here to wrap up this first week of May. If you missed our first episode of the week, we did a lot of NFL draft recap conversation about the six draft picks from the 2022 Nittany Lions program. Uh, also went into some of the undrafted opportunities that, that the guys got in free agency. And we had Tyler Cavaruso to break down the landscape of Penn State recruiting, which is changing day by day when the 2024 class coming up towards official visits, the commitments popping up now at 13 for the 2024 cycle. So a lot went on last episode. We're going to leave this one off with the recruiting conversation, but it's really not so much recruiting anymore as it is roster conversation because he is on the verge of going from a signee to a Penn State freshman, and he is with us here in the Lions 24-7 podcast, London Montgomery. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. I know it's a busy time for you. You're in crunch time before you enroll, so thank you for making some time for us. Of course, anytime. Look, you are, from we record here on a Wednesday, uh, you know, about 10 days out from for making this move over to Happy Valley. Um, what is on your checklist between now and then to handle your business back home? Um, you know, I just want to get all my schoolwork in. That's first and foremost. Um, finish up PT. You know, I always want to see everybody home before I, you know, I, I leave out. You know, tell them thank you for everything they've done for me. You had a great run at Scranton Prep, uh, getting ready to make this move uh, as an in-state prospect over to Penn State. Has it sunk in that that you are really this close? Are you waking up and and it's the first thing on your mind? And when you're going to bed, are you thinking about it on the pillow? <laughs> I mean, I can't stop thinking about it. Um, you know, I'm a little nervous. That's expected, but I'm just like nervous excitement. So, you know, I just want to get down there. Um, you know, I haven't played my senior year, so you know, I just, I just want to go out there and do the best I can. You know, I, be, I mean, I have been thinking about it a lot um, between school and uh, you know the athletics. So I'm just, I'm just overall excited. You described it as a nervous excitement. When, when's the last time, if ever, that you felt this nervously excited about something? Um, probably my freshman year at uh, Scranton Prep. You know, when I when I my first carry, um, yeah, I was just like uh, nervous excitement then, and I'm pretty sure the, um, the butterflies will knock out once I get down there. You mentioned that you're going through the, the uh, wrapping up PT back in your hometown. Uh, you know, with, with that uh, physical therapy that you've been going through, it's now nine months, I think, removed from the knee injury suffered last August during preseason work. Um, where are you right now physically as you work your way back? Um, I've almost, I, I think I'm almost back. I mean, I feel almost back. Uh, you know, I still have to do some rehab. Um, I got to get some muscle mass on my legs. Uh, but, uh, you know, I feel, I feel good. And I feel like I'm going to be coming back soon. Now, 2,300-plus rushing yards as a junior. James Franklin told us uh, during his signing day press conference that they as a staff felt like you could go for 3,000 rushing yards during your senior season if you were able to play. Obviously, as we addressed, you didn't get to, to suit up for any games during the, 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 the last fall. So that missed opportunity. How did you bounce back mentally, and, and how long did that take? Um, you know, when I first tore my ACL, um, I was upset, obviously, but um, you know, I just took it with a grain of salt. And you know, I can't, uh, I told myself that I can't keep thinking in the past, and I had to move forward. So I just moved on with that mentality. Um, you know, I just focused on school, uh, physical therapy, and doing everything, and I just kept setting goals for myself. So you know that I felt like uh, you know, I've I, I accomplished things as I moved on. So that kind of helped me 
as I moved on through physical therapy through these nine months. Now, that injury occurred about one month after you committed to the Nittany Lions and joined this class. What was the reaction you got immediately upon learning that that's what the test results were, that it was that significant of an injury? What kind of a reaction did you get from the Penn State staff? They just they just uh, reassured me that I would be okay. They took care of me. They said I would be all right. I would come back stronger. Um, they made me feel like, uh, you know, I'll be okay, basically. They just, they just uh, stood by my side the whole way. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad they did that. And that's the reason I chose them because they make me feel at home and everything. And this is, this is what I'm getting out of it. I guess specifically with J1 Sider, how has your relationship maybe changed with him dealing with your time away from action and maybe having some conversations like the one you just discussed where, you know, it's personal. It's not so much just about the X's and O's and the football stuff. It's about what you're dealing with and going through as a young man. How much have you been able to kind of lean on him and, and, and use him as a soundboard even before you get to campus? Um, he's, uh, he's been in my corner ever since it happened. Um, and you know, uh, he's just been teaching me things, uh, you know, I've been learning mentally, you know, like you said, on and off the field, I've been learning mentally, even though not doing anything physically. So, you know, I'm just been, uh, strengthening my mental, um, getting it right. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing other things that I couldn't do physically and he's been helping. Was there... I apologize. Was there a moment in your process here, recovery process, where your confidence was back? I mean, it sounds like you're confident now, but this is nine months into it. Was there a moment or, or maybe a session where you got through it and, and you came out the other side feeling increasingly positive? Um, I'd say right when I was able to start lifting again. And, uh, you know, my dad's always been telling me that I'm going to be okay. And then that he's been in my corner also. So he's always boosting my confidence up. But, um, yeah, I think, like like I said, as I set goals for myself, I gained more and more confidence. So maybe one week uh, I was able to do, like, let's say, I was like the first week I was able to bicycle around for the first time, like do a full rotation. I felt real good after that. Then I started walking normally. So those are uh, some small things that built up to my confidence being like this now. And how much of a strong plan is in place between you and, and the Penn State staff and, and the training uh, the training staff over there in Happy Valley uh, about what you're going to be entering into as you get to campus? You're going to have about 11 weeks between your enrollment and preseason camp. Do you think it's realistic that you're going to be able to participate early on in preseason camp? Um, it's just all, all how uh, rehab goes. Um, it just depends on how I perform and everything. So, you know, I'm just taking it slowly and seeing how everything goes right now. Um, and, and so you and Cam Wallace both going to get to campus, and so is Trey Potts. And, and that was an interesting addition to the 2023 running back room that that he announced that commitment about a month ago. And now here he is after four years with Minnesota making the move to, to campus right as you are. What did you make of that um, and, and having another veteran presence in the room? And have you had any communication with Trey Potts, or will you guys kind of be getting to know each other as you go along here? Um, I'll be getting to know uh, getting to know him once we move in and everything. But you know, we were kind of light in the running back room, so I kind of understand why Penn State picked up another running back. So you know, me, Cam, and uh, Trey are gonna compete. You know, we're gonna work. We're gonna push each other. So I'm excited, kind of, because you know, he's a veteran. He can teach me a few things, and I can learn off of him maybe. How transparent was J1 Sider about that process when, when they were pursuing you know, a, a college veteran? And uh, how did he keep you informed, I guess? Because it's certainly not something he wanted to surprise you with, I would imagine. Um, he just told me straight up. Um, he told me before it came out on social media. Um, he was just like, hey, uh, we're light in the running back room. And, uh, you know, we just wanted another veteran in the room. And uh, with me being with my knee and everything, he just, we just wanted to make sure that everything was going to be all right. What did you make of Cam Wallace? I'm sure you've had a chance to check out uh, some of his film from his senior season by now. Me get uh, familiar with him a bit more and coming into that running back room out of Georgia. Uh, what did you make of him being that compliment to you, that that second component of a two-man running back class? Um, well, Cam's my boy. Huh? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just I thought of it as, like I said, competing. Um, he's a fantastic athlete. He has great speeds from Georgia. The Southern boys got some good speed with him. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm just I'm just excited uh, to go down there and work with him and see, like like I said, he maybe I could teach him a few things. He could teach me a few things, and we could just push it, push push ourselves, uh, work harder, and everything. 
you said that Cam's your boy. How have you guys been able to develop a bond? You don't live around the corner from each other. You can't yeah. just get together at the local weight room. How have you two been able to kind of do that? Um, between going down and seeing each other um, at the uh, Blue White game, and we we uh, exchange numbers and we have each other on social media and everything. Um, and, and you mentioned going to the Blue White game. You were a pretty frequent visitor to Penn State, uh, you know, during the spring and into last fall. What did you uh, pick up from your spring practice visits, particularly because you're watching the team that you're going mm -hmm. to join? Whereas last year at the games, it, it's cool experience, but so many of those guys were going to be moving on. So I kind of took it as um, I'm, I'm like a part of the team, and I think I, I like I, I thought of that uh, early on when I started going because I go down there so much. I started getting more comfortable. Um, I started learning the uh, playbook recently, so I go down there and then I look at some of the plays and I know some of it, so I'm uh, learning mentally, like I said before. So uh, Coach Sider and Coach Walker have uh, done a good job with me. What goes into this as far as the biggest challenge that you anticipate beyond your continued physical recovery? What's what's kind of the, the, the hurdle that you think you're going to have to clear to get where you want to be as a college football player? Um, The hurdle? That I'll have to go over through. Um, I'm not. I'm not completely sure yet, cause I. I mean, I've just been going through some stuff at home, you know, with my knee and stuff. And then school has been a little challenging, cause I had to get all my work in before I left. So I mean, I think I've gotten a little mental training and a, ment a little mm. mental toughness going through uh, these past couple of months. But um, I don't know. I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, keep lifting, keep doing all the stuff that I have to do. School. Um, and then keep working myself rehab. I know you said not physically, but, you know, just train myself mentally overall. London, Penn State announced you back in December at five foot 10, 180 pounds. I'm not sure where you are now. I don't know if that's changed. Are you still in that ballpark? Have you added some weight? Have you lost some weight? Well, I, uh, I lost some weight, uh, from the surgery, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I had to put that weight back on. So I'm, uh, I'm around the same area right now. Um, but yeah, I'm building muscle mass right now and I'm getting my legs and arms stronger right now as we speak. Well, it's been a little while since we got to see you out on the field doing damage against defenses, but for those who have not seen your junior highlights or the highlights that preceded your injury, how would you describe the scouting report on London Montgomery as a running back prospect? Um, I like to humbly say that, you know, uh, I'm fast. Um, I have some speed with me. I ran a 10, seven and 100 meter. Um, you know, uh, I have great vision, great patience. Um, I can wait for my line to block for me and make a move. Um, I can make a man miss. Um, you know, I just, uh, I just see things before they happen. So it's just like instinct to me. You gave the, the Southern running backs a lot of credit for their speed earlier, but how about the Pennsylvania running backs that have come through town and had success, whether it's Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, Journey Brown, now Nick Singleton, and next up is you, London, what has that meant to you, the aspect of staying home and playing this particular position in a Penn State uniform? Um, I just got some big shoes to fill, you know. Uh, <laughs> Nick Singleton, Saquon Miles, uh, Journey, they all, they all oh, Saquon left the legacy. They all did, and Nick is too. So I'm going to try to do the same things they did and, uh, you know, try to uh, fill those shoes. What was it like watching Nick and Katron Allen do what they did as freshmen first year on campus and, and the way it ended in the Rose Bowl with that success from start to finish? What did you take away from their first season at the college level? I was want to say, I forgot Katron. I'm sorry. He's going to leave a legacy, too. They're both going to be first rounders, I think. But um, uh, watching them, I could learn a few things, uh, you know, just going down there so much, like I said, watching practices and stuff and being in the meeting rooms. Um, they just know everything like that. So, you know, um, just being in there, knowing some of the plays, hearing them out when uh, Coach Sider is talking to them, that definitely helps because I'm looking at the board and seeing stuff that I didn't know before, and then I'm picking up on it. And uh, watching when I'm on the field, I, could, uh, I learned a few things, whether it's blocking, uh, just the footwork and everything, and drills and everything. What stands out about the way Jaywan Sider addresses his players, coaches his players in those practice settings? We get a bit of a peek once a week as media members, but you've got a pretty long look. What do you take away from that experience? Um, he's very comfortable with his, his running backs, and um, he he jokes around with them, but he knows when it's time to work, and he pushes them very hard, and um, I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah. 
I'd imagine you got a pretty good feel for for the team's confidence when you were on campus this spring. I mean, it's hard to ignore coming off of, of how they finished last year with what they returned. You're going to be part of that. You're entering a locker room that that lost some serious leaders from last year, but there's a ton of talent and maybe some emerging leaders that we're going to get to know. What's your sense of this 2023 Penn State football team that you're about to jump into? Oh, uh, I mean, there's, I can only say so much, but we're going to be uh, dangerous this year after going to see some of those practices, how uh, we compete against each other. Um, even though we're just practicing, we go hard. And, uh, you know, I just can't wait to join them and uh, help the team get better. Have you gotten some feedback from members of your freshman class that, that got to campus in January and went through their first 15 practices and had the winter conditioning? Have you gotten some, I guess, some helpful feedback from any members of that group in particular? Yeah, they just uh, they just told me what it was gonna be. Like they just kept it real with me. They said it's gonna be hard, but uh, you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be adjustable for me. And uh, they adjusted and they're doing well. So um, I think I'm gonna follow behind them, and uh, I think I'm gonna do good with them. Um, beyond football, what are you bringing to Happy Valley in terms of interest? What do you want to accomplish during your time on campus that has nothing to do with carrying the football and making defenders miss or or get thrown <laughs> on the ground? Um, I just want to show everybody my personality. I think I have a bright personality. I like making people laugh and stuff. Um, you know, just being a good person overall, doing good and kind things for people. Um, just doing doing some justice around maybe. Uh, I don't know. I just I haven't thought about it that much yet. So. And who's making who's making the trip uh, over to campus with you next weekend when you, you pack up your things and maybe forget you forget a few things, but you don't live too far from home. So they can always yeah. find their way to you on campus. But what, what's that, uh, I guess, travel uh, group going to look like? Um, that's going to consist of my dad, uh, my mom, my stepmom, uh, my brother, um, my best friend. He's probably going to come with me. Um He's going to see and hell. Uh, but yeah, those are those are just the main people and some others, maybe people who helped me um, come this far. And, uh, you know, I, I like to thank them one last time when they dropped me off. Now, are you the kind of guy who's going to let some emotions pour out of you uh, next weekend when they get in the car and drive <laughs> off? Or are you going to kind of keep that stiff upper lip and, and, and keep it moving? Hey, I'm, I'm going to try to hide my pride, but I'm probably not going to be able to. <laughs> so. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm going to miss my parents and I'm going to miss everyone back home. But uh, this is the next chapter in life. So I'm ready for it. Do you know who your roommate's going to be? Um, I'm not sure yet, but I'm hoping to get Cam Wallace. OK, yeah. Good luck. Uh, a pretty important thing. Freshman year roommate can set, the, <laughs> can set the tone for you in a few different ways. Well, London, what's your message? I'll just give the mic to you. No question about who you are and, and what this is going to be like at Penn State, the upcoming run. Um, I just like to say I'm a I'm a humble guy uh, who's ready to work, um, who's ready to compete, and who's ready to make the team better. And uh, I think that this 2023 football team is going to be something special. All right, very cool, London. We look forward to seeing you here on campus very soon and on the field, even uh, not too long after that. Good luck with the continued recovery process. Good to hear you're in a good place there, and thank you so much for opening up about your journey with us here on the Lions 24/7 podcast. Of course, anytime. We'll be right back on the Lions 24/7 podcast. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great stuff from London Montgomery. Looking forward to what his Penn State future holds. We'll find out a lot more in the coming years, and we'll talk about it here on the podcast. Uh, but Daniel Gallen and Mark Brennan now join us. We have a lot to get into. Some basketball conversation coming your way in a few minutes. That roster build, 
hit a few obstacles uh, in, in the last uh, couple of days, and, and we'll address that and, and how things are shaping up for Mike Rhodes from a personnel standpoint. But, gentlemen, we have to begin this discussion with the transfer portal on the football field because for a while now we've identified defensive tackle as an area that Penn State was going to look at coming off of spring practice. James Franklin publicly put that out there as they wrapped up uh, the blue-white matchup a few, few weeks ago. And Alonzo Ford turns out to be the guy who fits the bill. An Old Dominion defensive tackle transfer, listed six foot three, 275 pounds, played for Ricky Ronnie, obviously familiar face around here to the staff. And all Sunbelt, honorable mention last season, 32 tackles, five of those coming behind the line of scrimmage, and three and a half sacks as a sophomore. That's right, he is a sophomore, so this is not a one-and-done situation. You slot him in as a guy who's going to give you something this year, and then you build off that moving ahead and Daniel I mean this is just something coming to fruition that uh, we've been forecasting for what four months it feels like definitely I think that James Franklin was was pretty explicit about what he wanted and what he needed in the portal um, and they went out and got it Um, you know I like the profile um, of Alonzo Ford as a player who isn't coming in just for one year he's not a graduate transfer with one year of eligibility left Um, he'll have three years to play two so you can figure out, you know, where he fits in, what he needs to do, how ready he is for the Big Ten. Uh, and then you can see how he fits into the depth chart. Um, I, I think that you have to replace P.J. Mustafer, which is a, a really tough thing to do. There aren't many people like that around. There aren't many people like that in the portal. Um, but I think that if you can raise the maybe the floor of the room um, a little bit and add a little bit more upside, um, I think Alonzo Ford is someone that really, really does that. So um, I think that that's one of those positions, you know, both sides of the trenches, you can never have too many bodies um, because you never know what's going to happen. You want to keep guys fresh. Um, losing one or two guys can really set you back at those positions. So I really like this pickup. Uh, and I think it comes at a, at a good time at a position of need. Mark, to me, this pickup, the Pots pickup in April, and he'll be on campus in just a couple of weeks, by the way, those are, are addressing not obvious glaring needs. Like if you were to look at Penn State from an outside perspective, you wouldn't say like they really need to add a running back or they really need to add a defensive tackle based on what they return, based on the experience in those spots, based on some of the rising talent. And yet this is a team that wants to make sure they're buttoned up and ready for a Big Ten championship push to be one of those top four teams in the nation when the college football playoff gets sorted out. And it feels like pick up like this, pick up like the Pots edition, maybe what they're working on behind the scenes, adding another veteran cornerback now that Storm Duck is gone. Those add up and they can avoid some pitfalls as the season wears on and you lose guys to injury. Yeah, I think you touched on it. I mean, the key to being one of the best teams in the Big Ten and competing for a conference championship is not necessarily just having the starters, but building that depth. I mean, what have we seen the last couple of years on that defensive line? You know, you never know what's going to come up uh, over the summer or in the preseason, whether it's injuries, uh, whether it's, you know, guys not playing for whatever reason. Uh, you know, we had Izzard uh, and, and Vilbert both last year, you know, d- disappeared for the first few games. And uh, Izzard came back, you know, relatively early, but, but, uh, some people don't. So I think just building that depth is the key to the programs that are kind of shooting to be the best of the best. And that's what James Franklin talked about after the blue white game. It's like, you know, he, he's not going to say this is a luxury pickup, you know, but it is. I mean, they have decent depth at defensive line. They're still looking to get another receiver, which you would say you, they're already bringing in two receivers. So if you're able to get one beyond that, you're building up uh, that depth that's going to protect you against injuries, against uh, off-field issues, against whatever may come up. And I think this just kind of falls into that category. Interestingly here, Ford was a high school teammate of Kavion Keys, four-star linebacker signing for Penn State, who's about to join this roster uh, in May. Um, and, and Ford was outside the top 2,000 overall. One of those cool stories. I mean, we covered this with uh, Arnold Abekede uh, a couple years back, and he became a first-team All-Big Ten player. He only had one year to get it right at the Power Five level. But you remember looking back and two-star level kind of talent, you know, jockeying to try to get an FBS opportunity. And <clears throat> that's kind of where it was. <clears throat> with Alonzo Ford, excuse my voice here. So now all of a sudden, uh, you know, through three years of his college career, it's not necessarily a long time. He's part of the defensive plan for what we think will be 
maybe the best defense in the Big Ten, and a team that's going to be challenging. So you love these kind of stories. It's not always about the five-star prospect coming out of high school that you're able to pick up two or three years down the road. It's about the guy that maybe you weren't paying attention to or the guy that maybe was kind of on your radar but didn't match your prospect profile at the time. He's blossomed. You have a need, and it's a fit, and we'll see where it goes from here. we got a lot more to learn about Ford, but add into that list of transfers. Pot's coming to campus in just a little while. We've got a story up about Dante Cephas at the site right now, uh, Kent State receiver who's been committed to the program since January. Uh, and, guys, uh, these confirmations are coming in. That this roster is going to grow in May. It's going to grow again in June. And just a reminder that as that post-spring transfer portal window closed um, on April 30th, graduates still can still enter the portal. So you're talking about other rosters and, and maybe guys entering the portal as graduates. And we're talking about the Nittany Lions roster. We've got graduation coming up here on campus. Uh, some have completed their academic studies. Have they decided they've completed their football experience here at Penn State? Some of those questions remain unresolved, and we'll continue to learn more about the team. By the time we get into June, we should have a really good sense about what is going to be on the practice field come August for the Nittany Lions when high expectations are going to be out there. Um, let's dive into the draft conversation from a different angle, fellas, because we did it on Tuesday looking back at the 2023 Penn State rookie class. Six draft picks there, a few undrafted free agents who are going to get their shot in some camps coming up. But, Daniel, you put together a piece, and this is a staple this time of year, the days after the draft, a look ahead at, at what's next, who's next. And there's a lot to work your way through when you look at the Nittany Lions potential for the 2024 NFL. And, and by the way, if you're looking at mock drafts already, the way too early uh, variety, you're seeing that flash in a big way already. Three players appear to be staples largely. It's it's sometimes hit or miss with all three, but Chop Robinson, Olu Fashinu, and then uh, who's the third? I missed? Okay, Kalen King yeah. are, are all being pegged in that first round. And, and Daniel, it goes deeper than that. Definitely. I think starting with those three guys, you know, we, we knew we were going to see Olu in there. Um, you know, we probably would have seen him in that range this year uh, if he'd stayed in the draft. So all the eyeballs are going to be on him, uh, which is going to be, I think, pretty interesting and, and fun to watch this year. Um, and then Kalen King is someone who I think last year really sh with all the attention he was getting with teams, you know, maybe avoiding Joey Porter Jr. at times. You know, he was up to the task. Um, you know, he's kind of up next and who is going to break that streak of being a first round pick. Uh I think that he believes he can do it. Uh, so, you know, he has, he has high expectations to live up to as well. Uh, Chop Robinson was the, of the three guys that kept popping up in those way too early mock drafts. He was the one I was kind of surprised to see uh, in there. But the more I thought about it, the, the more it made sense a little bit where he's someone who plays a premium position. There's always going to be a demand for edge rushers. Uh, those guys are always going to go a little bit higher. Uh, and then he was productive last year. You know, he comes from a program that has a reputation of turning out some pretty good to decent, you know, to really good uh, defensive players. So he's someone who's going to be on the radar. Uh, I think that his development under Deion Barnes is going to be interesting to watch uh, this year. But, you know, moving on from those three guys, it's a it's a really, really fun selection. I mean, Johnny Dixon, um, Daquan Hardy is a potential guy, you know, given his experience, uh, his athletic traits. Uh, Adisa Isaac, I think, is someone like Chop Robinson. When you, know, you talk about that edge rusher position and someone who physically has the tools, it's going to be really, really, uh, I think, really cool to see how that shakes out. Um, and then just going down the list uh, that I posted, Curtis Jacobs, Theo Johnson, uh, let's see, Keandre Lambert-Smith, uh, even Hunter Norzad. I think that there's, you know, it's a really, really deep selection. And I think that, you know, on top of those, you know, three projected first rounders. When you're in day two, you know, we saw four guys go on day two this year. That could be a similar result next year. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, we talked about this a little bit toward the end of last season. I think when Joey Porter was, was, was ruled out and then eventually opted out um, about, Hey, who, who are you taking between those two cornerback prospects? And I know, that debate is going to go on into the next year. We're going to get a longer look at Kalen King in year three. We saw three years of Joey Porter as a starter. But, Mark, I'll ask you again now that we're coming up for some air after spring ball. The, the, the hype train on Kalen King is not slowing down. He finished on a high note in the Rose Bowl with an acrobatic interception. He's getting preseason All-American accolades. What do you think? I mean, we don't want to put too much of a jinx on anyone about breaking that round one streak at defensive back. But Kalen King already felt like he was going to be the second guy to do it. Um, anything in your in your mind where you think that Kalen King 
does actually go out there and, and deliver a season that validates our conversation that he might be better than Joey Porter? I mean, do you think he can go out and, and do that? Well, the good news is if he does, we have all of the stories written about Penn State having the first defensive back ever going in the first round. But listen, I was in the middle of that conversation, and I, I think I sparked it, not taking credit for it, but just, you know, not that we got we went back and forth about it, but one thing I said several months ago was that I think Kalen King is is more of a you know what he's going to be in the NFL. Joey Porter Jr., I think it's a high-risk, high-reward. You think he's going to be really good because he has the measurables, he has all those things, but I don't think it necessarily translated into his on-field production. I think when you look at Kalen King, he was a guy who did it game in and, and, and game out. So does he have a chance to be an all-pro at the next level? Maybe not, but I think he's going to be a guy who's in a league for a long, long time. And it's going to depend on where people are drafting, obviously. But to me, I think if you're spending a first-round draft pick, you know, one thing I think may have bumped Joey Porter Jr. down was that he didn't have the interception numbers. He didn't have some of the uh, – he had a bunch of penalties a couple years ago, those types of things. And, and again, I think he could be terrific. I think he can be. Either he, he could be. Uh, but I think Kalen King is going to be a guy who is going to be, you know, you're going to get a productive, uh, you know, uh, number one or a first team cornerback in the NFL for multiple years. So I do think he's going to be the first guy who breaks that. And I, we actually had kind of a back and forth, as I remember. And I said, if I had to pick one, he would be the one that I picked only because you kind of know what you're going to get. But both guys are really good cornerbacks. I mean, it's it's nitpicking, uh, but I do think he's going to be the guy who ends up ending the streak. It says a lot about what the cornerback room is right yeah. now and, and the guys who are emerging at the top of it. Um, and, Daniel, look, the, the fascinating thing is here, we'll, we'll see what, what the what the speed looks like for Kalen King uh, come, you know, come the combine, come the pro day. Can he get that in the low four fours? Can he, you know, can he, can he establish himself as, as one of the, uh, you know, swifter cornerbacks and match that with what we assume will be really strong game tape? Crazy thing here is, is Chop Robinson's 40-yard dash is already where it needs to be. Now can he fill out the game tape as a, as a defensive end, year two in the position, and match that with what I anticipate to be a sparks-flying kind of combine performance when he gets that opportunity? It's all out there on the table for Chop Robinson. Chop Robinson could really be kind of the, the first feather in the cap for Deion Barnes. Uh, when you talk about Chop Robinson transferring in after being an outside linebacker uh, at Maryland, converting to de to defensive end, and now he'll have that full-time coaching from Deion Barnes through this first full offseason as a defensive end uh, here at Penn State. So you know, I'm really, really interested to see what kind of steps he can take forward. Um, you know, He's someone that we're penciling in in the starting lineup this year, even though he was kind of that third starter uh, at defensive end behind Tarburton and Isaac last year. Um, but you know, I think Robinson is someone who – I think that this has kind of been projected to a little bit. You might forget about it that, you know, he was a five-star recruit uh, coming out of Quince Orchard. You know, there is the expectation that when you're a five-star that you, know, you will go in the first round a couple of years later. Um, I think that his route has been a little bit circuitous, you know, with the position change, with being at Maryland, with being a, you know, not part-time, but maybe a three-quarter time player uh, last year, the way that, that they rotated those defensive ends, but you know, he's someone who is really, really poised to take a leap. And you know, I think that it is, you know, really worth noting that you know, he's on the radar of, of these draft, uh, you know, draft gurus and that, you know, he is on the radar as, as this kind of prospect as we go into the year. And just rounding it out with these projected round one guys and, and the, the headliner of the group, you're, you're seeing him inside the top five on many cases. Uh, and, and we're all kind of surprised we're still covering him, him here in State College, Olu Fashionu. And Mark, it, it is a different dynamic, though. I mean, we're gearing up towards Olu's second year as a starter. Last year, he had that one start in, under his belt in the Outback Bowl. And we were all saying, OK, is, is he going to be your left tackle? Is he ready for this? You know, by the time we got to October, we were seeing him pop up as a first rounder in mock drafts, and there was starting to be that buzz. I feel like as things started to reach a crescendo with the noise around him, ding, he, he's hurt, he's sidelined, we don't talk to him for a while, and all of a sudden he's back here. There's a bullseye on his back, and there's going to be a lot of attention. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny, rep by rep, game by game, when he has some marquee matchups against defensive ends. I think he's up for the task, but buckle up because it's going to be fun, and you're going to be hearing a lot about Olu on a weekly basis. 
Yeah, but what's the one thing that we've heard about Olu is that the thing that makes him so good is he's a grinder. You know, he 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 has the physical talent. I mean, if you look at this guy, I mean, he is massive. You know, he, so he's he's got that. Uh, but it you have to have more than that to be that top ten pick. And he's the guy who just is nose to the grindstone and gets after it. And, and the one thing I'll tell you what what the thing that I saw in the blue white game that really jumped out to me, and this may sound silly, but uh, Amari Evans gets that uh, the, the penalty for flipping the ball after the touchdown, and he has to do the up-downs down on the sideline near the end zone. And as he's doing those, this is like a couple minutes later, Olu walks down and talks to him. You know, that's leadership. That's – and, you know, from, from, from what – Amari told us it was like, yeah, you can't do that. You know, when you score, you you have to act like you kind of been there, and you know you can't hurt us with that sort of penalty. And I think that's the sort of thing. And then when you talk to him him face to face, I mean, when he gets in the situation where he's doing these interviews with with uh, scouts and general managers and whatnot, he's going to absolutely blow them away. So he's going to check the athletic, the size, all of those things. He's going to check all those boxes, the work ethic. And then all the intangibles. And, and I think that people are seeing that entire package. And it was one thing to just kind of project off of what people were seeing on the field last year. That, wow, you have this left tackle who's just absolutely dominating and doing a great job. But I think the more – this is a case where I think the more people learn about Olu, the, 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 the stronger his draft stock is going to be. And it, it was already way up there. But we've seen – that it only takes a question or two for somebody's draft draft stock, stock to to kind of tumble, fairly or unfairly. Uh, but with this guy, I, I just think there's so much there that, barring injury and knock on wood, that he stays healthy, uh, that he's he's definitely going to be way way up there. Yeah, reminder that he was declared a team captain at the conclusion of spring practice, and that he is the highest GPA on this entire football roster, along with uh, the highest uh, draft grade right now. It's a pretty damn good combination uh, for Olu Fashionu. Looking at some of the other guys on this list, I think the name that jumps out to me, we got to remember he was a really good blue chip prospect coming out of high school in Virginia, is Keandre Lambert-Smith. I mean, it's kind of been um, a meandering journey of sorts at times as he's tried to you know, crack through and, and be a consistent um, uh, figure for this passing attack and a guy who's going to put up big numbers. Remember last year through uh, first 11 games of the season, he had 16 catches, 182 yards, and two touchdowns. The last two games of the season combined, he goes for 207 yards and two touchdowns on eight catches. So had that springboard. He went from a guy that we were wondering, is he going to be on the team in 2023? Is this going to be the right fit for him? To now being uh, you know, a, a lead component of this offensive plan. We saw when NBC uh, sent their production team to campus a week ago. He's one of the guys out there with the camera on his face. So, hey, this is a guy who's been waiting for this kind of a spotlight. Penn State just lost its top three receptions leader from 2022 and Brenton Strange, Parker Washington, and Mitchell Tinsley. And Keandre Lambert-Smith is one of the fastest guys on this team. He's going to be one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft when he gets to that point. But he's got to prove it with the production, and he's got the kind of trigger man in Drew Aller that can put the ball on the money, we think, when given those opportunities. Daniel, again, it's all out there for Keandre Lambert-Smith. I think Lambert Smith right now has the highlight reel uh, and the testing numbers that will make him someone that is is on the radar, you know, could be someone that an NFL team is interested in. And I think over the course of this year, it's going to be, you know, kind of his job to put that tape together. Um, you know, he's going to be playing in the slot. That's something a little bit that we haven't seen that much of yet. Um, that's going to be a, a new experience for him. And it's going to be something else that he can put on tape. Uh, to show to NFL teams. Uh, and then I think the one thing that I'm really curious about is this leadership side of him, you know, the mental side of the game. That's something that has always been talked about uh, with him and in his development and how he handles success, how he handles failure. Uh, and it seems like he's made some really good strides with that. And I'm curious what that looks like now that he's a senior, you know, in that wide receiver room, you know, he's pretty much the guy, you know, he's the one who has been around the longest who has the most experience um, and that the younger guys are really going to look to, you know, how is he going to take to this role? You know, how is that going to make him a, a more well-rounded prospect, a more well-rounded person even? 
Uh, so he's someone who has a, a really big year coming up. Um, but, you know, the, the NFL likes its wide receivers. They want wide receivers. Uh, we saw Parker Washington, who didn't go through the pre-draft process really at all, get drafted uh, after his injury. So I think that Keandre Lambert Smith is someone who, you know, you know, mid-season, I think if he has a, a good start, if he's putting all of this together, we're really going to start hearing about as a potential draft pick. The last couple of years combined for Keandre Lambert-Smith, 58 catches, about 900 yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, he did play as a, as a freshman in 2020. Um, he did start as a freshman in 2020. Of course, like everyone in 2020, that, that year of eligibility does not apply to him. So technically, he's got more in his back pocket at the college football level, but it feels like this is the moment for Keandre Lambert-Smith. Uh, and then a couple other members of that 2020 class I wanted to, to focus on here with you, Mark. One on the offensive side, one on defense. Uh, you call him the big dog. Curtis Jacobs at linebacker, a third-year starter now. We've seen him at a couple different positions. Maybe a guy who's kind of going under the radar right now when you review the names on this defense and what Manny Diaz is working with. Curtis Jacobs, for a guy who's played as much football, doesn't get as mentioned uh, as much as you may think. And then on the other side of it, Theo Johnson recently in the headlines for the wrong reasons. He's got some legal issues to deal with. But we know all about his athletic pedigree. We've talked about what he would probably do in an NFL combine setting, and yet hasn't had that opportunity to showcase himself as the number one tight end. And he's also being dinged up at times. We didn't see him this spring. So those two are, I wanted to get to with you. Yeah, let's get it straight. Curtis Jacobs calls me the big dog. All right. <laughs> I'm the big dog. <laughs> and for people who don't know, he jokingly called me big dog before the citrus bowl at a, at a press conference to which I didn't even realize at the time, Daniel brought it up and everybody was busting me. Uh, about it but you know the thing i saw in all seriousness about curtis jacobs we saw some of these 40 yard dash numbers that popped up online and he was i think four four six and i'm thinking wow that is you know that's impressive for a linebacker and he's a guy who's played in the box he's played outside uh he's been productive wherever he's been and i think he's going to be the sort of nfl i don't know how high he's going to go but i think he's got a guy who's going to have a productive uh a productive nfl career uh, Theo Johnson, I think he hit on it. I mean, listen, he, he got in a, a little bit of trouble off the field. Let's see how that plays out. But it, that doesn't seem to be tremendously serious to me. Uh, not downplaying anything that went on there. We'll have to see how the legal system plays out. But given the charges, it doesn't look like it's something that would impact him, you know, long term football wise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's got to stay healthy. Because he's big and he's fast and he's talented and he has all these things going for him. But if you're the, the, the old cliche, the best ability is availability. If you're not available all the time, uh, that's another one of those check marks that kind of works against you when it when draft time uh, sort of uh, rolls around. Uh, the thing that you really like about him is that when people really started to focus on Brenton Strange last year, Theo Johnson stepped up later in the season and, and became one of their go-to receivers. You look at his yards per catch. I don't have it right here in front of me, but you know it, it was significant. I think it's like 16 yards or 17 yards. Six, something. 16.4 that led all Penn State players. Yeah, I mean for for uh, I mean I don't whatever he's listed at. You know, six five, six six, two hundred and sixty pounds. I mean that's significant for somebody that size. So. He has all those things going for them. Uh, I think both of those guys, and then I think the other guy that, that we should mention is Adisa Isaac, mm -hmm. um, came back from injury last year. Interesting to see how he does in year two back from that injury because we've seen that sometimes with, with these lower body injuries, it takes – you can be productive that first year, but are, do you regain everything kind of that second year? So I think he's another guy that I'm really keeping an eye on. Specifically with that Achilles injury, you hear it at all levels of sports and all different kinds of sports that that's one that can take some time to work your way back from. Even when you're engaged on it for a season, it may take that second season to, to get fully back. And that was a big motivating factor when we talked to Adiza Isaac out of Pasadena about his looming decision. Was he going to take a shot in the NFL after four, four years on campus or was he going to stick around for a fifth year? And, and the chance to spend an entire offseason with Chuck Losey and his staff and getting his body right and being able to not spend half of the year rehabbing instead focused on growth at the defensive end position and putting himself in a good spot to boost his stock. 
Um, that's going to really pay off, I think, as the season wars on. I mean, the way he finished last year, late in Big Ten play, and then in the Rose Bowl you saw, he was a much different player than the guy who showed up on the field on the road at Purdue in, in, at the end of August last year. So um, really curious to see what that, that looks like, like, as you said. And sticking with some of the elder statesmen, um, oh, one second before I get there. You mentioned Theo Johnson's breakout. I wanted to just put a stamp on that. He had, let's see, he had 19 total receiving yards through Penn State's five and one start. Then Daniel Gallon on a press conference with Mike <laughs> Yersich asked about that lack of production and if Theo Johnson was going to see more action. The rest of the way, it sparked something. I'll tell you what. Uh, he had a reception of at least 25-plus yards in six of the last seven games. He had four touchdowns during that span, 16.4 yards per catch. Again, that led all of Penn State. So Daniel Gallon with the big assist. But it was a huge uh, emerging dynamic for this offense as things kind of to the detriment of, of the stat sheet for Brenton Strange, but certainly helped out this offense. Uh, Daniel, the elder statesman, though, as I just was getting to before, I wanted to throw up that Theo Johnson note. You got guys like Daquan Hardy, Johnny Dixon, Hakeem Beeman, Hunter Norzad, who started off in the Ivy League, you know, down to, to dwindling eligibility. I don't know where you go here. I pointed Dixon as the guy who can really blow up his draft stock in a notable way. I'm not sure how many people realize how big of a role he's going to play here in year three from that transfer out of South Carolina. He played a lot last year. He was a co-starter for much of the season with Kalen King, opposite of Joey Porter Jr. Now we're talking about a new role, though, a guy who's going to be, we think, locked in as a starting cornerback, but also a guy who can slide into the slot position where we know in nickel coverage, that's where you're going to see a lot of Daquan Hardy, but Johnny Dixon can fill that role. He can fill that role that Jair Brown filled last year in the Prowler package, show off some of his arsenal near the line of scrimmage, which was a huge ability of his last year, getting after ball carriers, getting attacking quarterbacks in, in, the, in the pocket even. So that's where I land. I don't know if you have a, a case to make for one of the other guys, but in terms of players who are up against it eligibility-wise, uh, there, there's opportunities there. I think Dixon and Norzad uh, are, are the two that stand out from that group to me. Uh, yeah, you're right about Dixon uh, in terms of he is someone who can really come onto the radar this year, really show what he can do. Um, he's already shown that inside-outside versatility. He's shown that he can blitz. He's shown that he's not afraid to mix it up in the backfield with quarterbacks or wide receivers. You know, he can take on bigger blockers. And so, you know, I think that a little bit of writing on the wall with Storm Duck transferring out, who was someone that we had kind of penciled in as a co-starter with Dixon. Um, I think that that kind of indicates the the type of spring that Johnny Dixon had. So I think that he's someone who's really poised to yeah, really, really break out. You know, I think that, you know, he's a, a decently known quantity around, you know, with Penn State fans. But I think nationally, he's going to be someone that there's going to be a lot of talk about. Um, and then with Norzad. You know, getting this full off season uh, in the Penn State strength program. You know, we saw that he could play guard last year. Moving to center, he's going to have that versatility. Um, you know, bit of a you know pretty big stereotype with the Ivy Leaguer, but he's a smart player. Um, and I think that there's going going to be things there that NFL teams are are going to be interested in. You know, I think the fact that he played tackle, uh, even though it was in the Ivy League, and you know, he might not necessarily have the size to do that in the Big Ten or you know at in the NFL, but I think that that's something too that shows that he's got versatility, uh, that he has a lot of experience. By the end of this year, even with missing that COVID year uh, when the Ivy League didn't play, he's still going to have a lot of football under his belt. Um, so you know, and I think too, something that I, I touched on a little bit is that this offensive line is going to have so many eyes on it this year because of Olu. And you hear those stories, you know, every year, you know, even in recruiting and scouting where it's, well, I turned on the tape to watch this guy, but this guy is the one who stood out to me. Um, then I noticed this guy. So I think that as you go across that offensive line, it's a ton of experienced guys. I think the projected starting five is all draft eligible players. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on those guys. They can really make an impression at the next level. And yeah, I think that Hunter Norzad, you know, given what he's done, what we think he can do, I think he's really, really going to benefit from those extra eyeballs. And, you know, we'll see what that does for him next spring. Sal Wormley, Caden Wallace, a couple other year five guys at the college level to keep an eye on on the offensive line. Um, and and we'll, we have a lot to talk about football. Our next football conversation is never far away, but there's been so much happening in the basketball sector. And for everyone wanting to hear about the other draft prospects, you know the deal with 2025. There's a lot cooking there. You know what the freshman class did last year. 
we'll, we'll, we'll put that one off for a little ways longer. But if you think the 2024 class could be good, wow, the, the follow-up to that could be even better. And that's where you want to be as a program. Look, Alabama, Ohio State, they don't take years off producing first-round talent. And it looks like Penn State's in a good spot to go successive years here where there are multiple players being considered legitimately inside of round one. But, guys, basketball – roster build hit a bit of a snag in the last 24 hours or so we'll talk about the more recent additions that we haven't gotten to you uh, on, on on the podcast yet but we got to begin with some bad news and, and Evan Mahaffey not just deciding he's not going to stick with Penn State but deciding he's going to go play for a Big Ten opponent Daniel this one stinks definitely I think the old staff under Micah Shrewsbury when they talked about that class of 2025 he was definitely I think the foundational piece of it, you know, beyond just what we thought he would be capable of on the court. I mean, you look at him, he had that length, 6'6", long arms, had the ability to handle the ball. You know, we saw him be in the the right place at the right time and a couple of really key junctures down the stretch. Um, You know, played with great energy. The jump shot was a work in progress and something that he really wanted to work on this offseason, but he was regarded as as the leader um, of that group that, you know, wherever he went, the other guys would go. Um, I think I forget if it was Micah Shrewsbury or Adam Fisher joked that by the time his career was over at Penn State, he was going to be the mayor of State College just based on the personality, based on the demeanor. Um, and so, you know, it, it really stings, especially when you think about how he could project in the Mike Rhodes system with that length, with that ability to cause some havoc. Um, with that athleticism and, you know, looking at some of the longer forwards uh, that Penn State had also brought in, you, know, you had the potential to put a really, really interesting group of players uh, on the court. But, you know, Penn State's going to see him at least twice this winter. Um, you know, Ohio State is one of the the home and away opponents. Uh, we saw Penn State face Jamari Wheeler three times uh, a couple years ago uh, when they also played them in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but I think that this, if you could get, Evan Mahavy to stay. Um, I think the ceiling on this team would go up a little bit. Uh, and so now you're just kind of back to the drawing board a little bit, back to you know seeing how else you can massage this roster, what else is out there. Although we saw the complete exodus of Penn State's 2023 recruiting class on the basketball court, uh, and, you know, guys popping up at Notre Dame now. And um, what do we make of the retention that has been accomplished to this point, Mark? Because this is a this is a blow, and you're losing him to the Buckeyes, and that hurts. But this is the first one of those where a, a guy has wandered off and has not come back. In terms of players that are retained from last year, last year's roster run, what do you think is the most important one thus far? I wanted to add something on Mahaffey, yeah, which was, absolutely, which uh, my Ohio State peeps uh, t- told me about, and I don't know how much of this was was out there. Because uh, I didn't get a chance to really read up on it from the Ohio State perspective, but you know they were in the running for Bronny James and had one scholarship left, and this is kind of an indication that they're tapping out on Bronny James and saying that's not going to happen. And I think Evan Mahaffey might have been trending back toward Penn State had he not had the opportunity to get this offer uh, from Ohio State. So, you know, that sometimes things happen mm. in, in, in sort of a, a weird way. He's a Cincinnati kid. You know, if you look at his uh, – the, the, Not the, the Cincinnati kid, though. Right, he's not <laughs> the. He's A. We all know that uh, Aeneas Hawkins is the Cincinnati oh, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry, Sean Clifford. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean – if you look at his announcement, it was all about, Hey, I'm coming home. I'm going to, you know, whatever home, I'm happy, whatever. Uh, so that, that just to follow up on what Daniel said, um, you know, I, I don't think Keba was ever kind of heading back. We'll see how that plays out. But I think Mahaffey was a guy that they had a chance to keep. And I think his long-term upside, you know, I'm, I was very high on Keba and I think he has an opportunity, an opportunity going back to that discussion to be an NBA player, but I think Mahaffey was more of you knew you were going to get a really good player for sure for the next se- several years. Uh, so 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 that one's tough. And in terms of you know who they're able to retain, you know, I think Jameel Brown. Um, we talked about it. People didn't get a, a lot of a, a great opportunity to see him last year, but for a couple reasons. Because from everything we're hearing. Just an, He developed into an outstanding shooter over the course of the year. They didn't really need him because Funk was playing so many minutes. 
but I think he's going to be able to step in. And then also, he kind of keeps that Philadelphia pipeline established. You know, he's a guy from Philly that if he does well, other Philly kids are going to see. And we all know how important that's been to Penn State over the last several years. So for those two reasons, I would say Jamil. All right, Daniel, you've done a great job at Lions 24-7 doing the roster reset updates uh, on our site. And they've been very necessary of late because of all the developments. And by the way, Blue Kane, who, who was discussed on our last episode of the podcast, Tyler Calvaruso, breaking down his game and potentially an addition late to the 2023 class out of IMG Academy. He ends up committing to Georgia on Wednesday, so cross him off the list uh, for potential pickups at Penn State. But a couple more to discuss. They got a big man out of Georgetown. They got a Ford out of Lafayette more locally. What do you make of these additions, Daniel? Yeah, I think that they're really. I think that they're they fit into two different buckets. I think Quidus Wahab coming from Georgetown. I think that he pencils in as that really necessary playable size uh, to have down low. That we saw that. Last year, uh, you know, we saw Kevajai make those strides, but you know, there were long stretches where Penn State didn't really have that, you know, playable size that you could rely on. Um, I know that Wahab struggled uh, in his first go around in the Big Ten at Maryland uh, two years ago, um, but you know, he's you know, 6'11, 245. He's going to be in his fifth year. He spent three seasons in the Big East at Georgetown. So I think that he's probably seen everything there is to see at this point. Um, so I think bringing him into the fold, um, I think is a really, really solid sort of, um, you know, stopgap measure, um, especially with Kebajai being in the portal. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, but earlier this week we had a, a bit of an unexpected portal uh, announcement that late Tuesday night, I guess, um, with Leo O'Boyle, uh, from Lafayette, uh, announcing that he is transferring to Penn state. Um, he was a 40% three-point shooter for the Leopards last year, 11.6 points per game, uh, six foot seven. Um, you know, Tyler Calvaruso did a good job uh, on the site breaking down that you know he fits into a role uh, in this Mike Rhodes offense that you know they'll really be able to to plug him in there. Um, and then on top of that, he's a he's a Scranton kid. Uh, went to Scranton Prep. Uh, I covered two of his games in high school. Uh, Prep was going up against uh, Imhotep, so didn't really end too well for for Leo O'Boyle. Um, but I think that that's just sort of a, a really solid addition to your roster at you know, at this point in the portal, uh, especially if you know, you know what kind of role he's going to come in. So you know, Penn State's up to nine; they got four spots left, um, and and so far, I think you can start to see you know what Mike Rhodes wants, how this team is taking shape. And uh, Scranton Prep gets a couple shout-outs on this podcast. <laughs> Montgomery started off, and now you got Leo Boyle joining the basketball. Uh, it, by the way, six you mentioned nine guys on this roster, six of them transfer pickups that have happened fairly recently. It's, it's all come together pretty quickly. You've got following uh, roads from VCU, Ace Baldwin and Nick Kern, Zach Hicks coming in from Temple, Puff Johnson from North Carolina, and then the two we just mentioned out of Lafayette and Georgetown. And Mark, how would you assess the process thus far of what Mike Rhodes and company have accomplished? And what would you kind of circle as the uh, yet-to-be-determined aspects of this roster if they want to have success in year one? Yeah, I think about as good as could be expected. I mean, the fact that they were in with Blue Cane, I mean, that was from 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 what I'm gathering, they finished second uh, to Georgia there. Other people may say that it was Virginia that finished second, but regardless, I think the fact that you're in the final discussion there for a four star guy in 23 uh, at this point with a completely new staff. Uh, but but moving forward, I, I think if there's a way to keep Keba, you'd love to do it. I don't know that it's going to happen. Uh, but I think at this point, you're where you just want to get the best available players that you could get to fill to fill spots. And I'm not saying just take players for the sake of taking them. That's kind of the opposite of what I'm saying. You know, identify you know, who's the best and, and, and figure ways to make them work within your system. Because you have a couple guys from VCU who are going to be able to be kind of the leaders and, uh, you know, carry those systems over. But... You know, you're going. You still have to fill out some spots here. I mean, you have enough to field the team, obviously, and and and, and compete. Uh, but this is the new normal. I mean, so they're out there grinding, and and I don't know that I would say you need this particular position or that position. Uh, I just think whoever the best players you can get, get them and bring them in, and don't settle. Uh, you know, for 
just bringing guys in for the sake of bringing them in. Well, as basketball news continues to break and as the football news continues to break, it'll be all found at lines247.com. 30% off for an annual VIP subscription going on right now. $1 for one month if you want to take a peek. We got prospect camps coming up. We're excited to cover that. We got Elite 11 camp doing us the favor of coming right here to Happy Valley in a few weeks, which is very appreciated. So a lot happening behind the scenes. We've got some, some news about upcoming May enrollees as well. We're sending Daniel off on vacation, some time off. Well earned, my friend. You've been grinding for a long time. So Hopefully you can press pause. You won't hear him on the next couple of podcasts, and we'll get him back on soon after that. But hope you enjoy some time away. Mark, be talking to you real soon. Thanks, guys. See you. Thanks, Tyler. All right, good stuff from my colleagues at Lions 24-7 and Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen. Thanks again to London Montgomery for joining us to look ahead to his Penn State career, which begins next weekend, and, and then he's in the classroom that following Monday. Life moves fast from recruit to freshman, and then all of a sudden you're in the thick of it. For now, I'm Tyler Donahue stepping aside. We're back with a couple more episodes at Lions 24-7 uh, podcast next week. Be between now and then, of course, you can catch all of our content at lions247.com. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for tuning in as